What makes me most mad about this is we are such a prisoner of the moment in our society. Like We are so obsessed with what you've done in the last two weeks. Hendon Hooker, he was the front runner at one point, or at least at worst, he was maybe number two behind CJ Stroud. Hello and welcome. Today is Friday, December 9th, and we are just one day away from one of the greatest college football days of the year. We will reveal who we think is going to be the Heisman. We think what's going to happen as far as the Army-Navy game is concerned. We're going to get into some Heisman snubs, and we're going to tell you a little bit about what we thought about some of the awards that were announced last night. We have a list, and by the way, when we're taping this, this is before the award show. So if anything gets out, it's Jack Foster and Mark Kubiak that leaked the embargoed information. Just blaming them. Yes, I am presenting this right now. So if someone is tapping into our link to be able to record this, then they might have access to such information. But this is embargoed. And if it gets out, you know who to blame. Two tremendous Omaha production company employees. I'm Greg McElroy. Always with you here on Always College Football. We so appreciate you being with us and coming to us from wherever it is you're coming to us from, whether it's on the ESPN YouTube channel, if you're here with us via the podcast, we really appreciate it. Please like, rate, and subscribe, and it will really help us out. Tell your friends more than anything. The word of mouth is huge, and you guys have done an amazing job with that. And continue. We've actually seen a little bit of an uptick with our interaction on social media. Always CFB on both Twitter and on Instagram. We'll try to get back to you, or if you submit a question, We'll answer it on the show. Like I said, we have a great show in store for you today. Talk a little Heisman, talk a little Army-Navy, talk a little college football postseason awards, and why not? We'll update you a little bit on what's going on with guys that have recently declared for the NFL draft. So without much further ado, let's dive in. Let's talk about it. All right, let's dive into the most coveted individual award in all of sports. Some people would say, well, there's others that would trump the Heisman Trophy in their eyes. Like to me... The best, I'm not an individual award guy. It's not never been really my thing. Never been up for that many of them, to be honest with you. But either way, like individual awards have always taken a bit of a backseat with me, always. But if there was one that you could have on your mantle, how could you not choose the Heisman Trophy? Obviously, an Olympic gold medal because you're representing your country. Like, There's a handful of others. Maybe we'll do that at a future show. Talk about the best individual awards you could possibly win. But ultimately... Winning the Heisman Trophy is the coolest thing ever, and it's going to be handed out a little over 24 hours from now, so we are very excited about what's coming up this weekend. These are the finalists. All three, by the way, very worthy. Some have said, well, Stetson Bennett doesn't deserve to be a finalist. We'll, we'll have that conversation in a moment. I have no problem with him being a finalist, but if he's a finalist, then there should be some others that were also finalists is all I'm getting at. So... Let's look at the guy that is most likely to take home the most coveted trophy in sports. That would be Caleb Williams. He's the quarterback of USC, in case you haven't watched much college football. Or if you're joining us for the very first time, Caleb Williams has been phenomenal all season long. The transfer from Oklahoma went out to the West Coast and revitalized the program and had them within 60 minutes of punching their ticket to the college football playoff. 4,000 yards. 37 touchdowns, only four interceptions, added nearly 400 yards on the ground, 10 touchdowns on the ground as well. He was a true sophomore, and it was his first year in L.A., so it was a very impressive debut performance. I know he started some games for Oklahoma last year, but 
really, if you look at last year's performances, there were some great moments, but there were really some ups and downs there as a true freshman. So he was way better this year, way better this year than he was at any point in Norman a year ago. What I'm most, I think, impressed with, though, and what's crazy, like he had several Heisman moments. Notre Dame comes to mind. UCLA comes to mind. A handful of others scattered throughout the year. The numbers were phenomenal all season long. Even the games they lost, for instance, the game against Utah originally was terrific. And then I think maybe, as crazy as this may sound, arguably his best Heisman moment was a game in which he was hurt and was at way less than 100%, and USC went from being a college football playoff contender to a team that would have been real lucky to win seven games if Caleb Williams was less than 100%. That's how important he was to his roster. He was by far the best player on his team. It wasn't close. Jordan Addison's phenomenal. Travis Dye was phenomenal. He was lost for the season. The offensive line played pretty dang well. The other backs that contributed pretty well, pretty, pretty good players in their own right. Mario Williams, also a very good player at wide receiver. Like they had a lot of pieces, man. They also had a lot of guys that were in and out of the lineup, and they had a lot of performances defensively in which they were terrible. There was really only a handful of games, maybe one or two, in which he didn't have his best stuff. Caleb Williams should and likely will win the Heisman Trophy. He was, in my eyes, the most outstanding player in college football this season. A guy that should probably finish second, Max Duggan, quarterback of TCU. Now, a lot of people are going to look at Max Duggan, and there is a little bit of, I guess, an argument to be made that he's a system guy. He played within an offense that's going to compile a ton of numbers. Uh, he got a ton of opportunities, but I, I don't think that any of those are fair. Uh, I think when I watch Max Duggan, Watch the heart that was on display on a week-to-week basis, most notably in the Big 12 championship game when he had way less than his best stuff. Did not play well in the game, but gutted his way to an opportunity to give his team a chance. Didn't play well, missed some opportunities, made a couple mistakes for sure. But still, man, after being thrust into the starting lineup in week one, after Chandler Morris was injured, he lost the starting job in the preseason. He comes out. Throws for 3,300 yards, 30 touchdowns against just four interceptions. Also added 400 rushing yards and six touchdowns with his legs. I really believe that if he weren't the quarterback at TCU, this team doesn't sniff the playoff. There was something about the cool, steady hand that was Max Duggan throughout the season for TCU. And I think his best attributes were how did he play when the team's back was was against the wall? I mean, if you look at how he played in many, many, many second halves of football games, when the game was in doubt or when they had a huge deficit, he was flawless. Go look at the performance against Baylor in the final drive. How he, it was almost as if he took the field. It's like, all right, no problem. Boom, let's go. When you got to have it, he's the guy that was going to get it done. He was so steady all season long and is very deserving of being in the playoff because TCU excuse me, very deserving of being in the Heisman conversation because TCU would not be anywhere near the playoff if not for Max Duggan's leadership and not for his excellent at the quarter, excellence at the quarterback position. Number three, I think you could go 3A, 3B in this particular case because I think both these players are both excellent, but I think you could make a case that maybe they're not even the best player on their own offense and maybe they're not even the best candidate on their own team. And that's no disrespect to C.J. Stroud and it's no disrespect to Stetson Bennett. 
But if I had to pick a Heisman Trophy candidate right now <clears throat> on Ohio State's team, it'd be Marvin Harrison. I think he was that exceptional throughout the course of the season. If I had to pick a Heisman Trophy candidate on Georgia, it'd be Brock Bowers. I know that the numbers would not reflect Heisman Trophy candidacy, but you look at how he impacted the game and look at the plays that he made and look at also at the same time, how many Brock Bowers are there in college football? How many guys are similar? How many guys are close as far as being able to create explosive plays at the tight end position? The answer is none. Michael Mayer's phenomenal. More on him a little bit later. But he's not the same type of weapon that Brock Bowers is. Very steady. Very, very good. Very well-rounded. Might ultimately even be a better pro. But Brock Bowers is a guy that can beat you deep, that can beat you in one-on-one, that can win in run-after-catch, that can make guys miss, that can break tackles. You can line him up at freaking running back. And he can become probably an all-conference type of player. That's how versatile Brock Bowers was. So I think that both these guys deserving of a trip to New York, but I think a strong case could be made for one of their teammates as the most outstanding player in college football. CJ Stroud, let's start with him. Uh, There's going to be a big issue with his candidacy because my issue with CJ Stroud is not that he doesn't have, he has terrific numbers. He has uh, obviously a ton of touchdowns. Um, has a ton of performance and, and a lot of things that were really, really nice. I mean, 3,300 yards, 37 touchdowns, six interceptions. They were in the top five all season long. The only issue that I had was just how he performed against Michigan. And, and I mean, we're kind of splitting hairs a little bit. I mean, he didn't play well in that game. Made some careless mistakes, especially in the second half of that football game. And as the tide turned there in the middle of the second quarter, he, he didn't elevate his play like we thought he might. And that's pretty disappointing knowing just how gifted CJ Stroud was, but still absolutely worthy of a trip to New York, absolutely worthy of being a Heisman finalist. But like I said, if he's there, Marvin Harrison should be there alongside him. Let's go next to Stetson Bennett. I think Stetson Bennett, a big reason why people have kind of become enamored with, with his play this year is the story. I mean, and sometimes we have seen guys in the mix for the Heisman trophy that have a phenomenal story, and sometimes, hey, it's like a career achievement award. Like, hey, man, you did an amazing job. Have a chance to potentially put in a bow on your career with back-to-back national championships. Of course, he's been the quarterback now of the number one team in the country for the last two years, so there's a lot of reason to get behind his candidacy. Uh, I think that Stetson is a really good player, Uh, really good. Remember back early in the spring, even when we did this show in the preseason, I had Stetson Bennett as the number two quarterback in the SEC. I had him right behind Bryce Young because I think he's really underappreciated. And I think his ability to make plays off schedule is very, very underappreciated. Now, the numbers aren't necessarily going to pop off the page like some of the other guys that he's measured against. But if you actually look at the plays that he makes throughout the game, he does a really good job of being difficult to defend. Is he one of the most outstanding players in college football? In my estimation, not necessarily, but I think he had a really good year, and I think that good year needs to be rewarded, and I have no problem with him being invited as a Heisman Trophy finalist, but like I said about C.J. Stroud, I'd love for Brock Bowers to be there alongside him, because I think Brock Bowers had a sensational season and would have been a real worthy Heisman Trophy contender if Heisman Trophy voters could get their head out of the sand and acknowledge that 
You don't have to play quarterback to be the most outstanding player. A couple of guys that I thought got snubbed. Um, Blake Corum. <clears throat> probably the biggest issue with Blake Corum's candidacy and probably what a lot of people had issues with is that Donovan Edwards stepped right in in his absence and was able to not just replicate his productivity, but in some ways exceed his productivity. But if you really look at him, man, I mean, he was awesome all season long. And I know that it was just such a gut punch to see him get injured against Illinois. And it was awesome to see him at least try against Ohio State. You could tell pretty quickly in that game after a carrier two that he just wasn't going to be able to go. But still, you look at the numbers over the course of basically 10 healthy games, 1,400 yards, 18 touchdowns, 247 carries. He was a bell cow back and deserved, I thought, at least some recognition from those that voted in the Heisman Trophy. All right. Him alongside what I think is the arguably the best pound for pound player in college football, Bijan Robinson, you'd be hard pressed to find a whole lot of guys better. Now, if you looked at just how he performed, the team, of course, had some ups and downs. But even in moments in which he was without his starting quarterback and Hudson Card was filling in for those four games, I mean, he was still the go-to guy. Played pretty well, even in those games. And what I like most is that he, this year, he did contribute a little bit to the passing game last year, but this year, it really kind of went just to a whole other level as far as his contributions through the year. And he clearly became a more well-rounded, a three-down back that we always knew he could become. He was that last year, but became that even more so this year. He finished with 19 catches and 314 yards and a couple touchdowns. Had more touchdowns of the year last year. But I think his advancement and route running and all those things were well on display. And then the rushing numbers, ridiculous. Nearly 1,600 yards and 18 touchdowns on 258 carries. So he was phenomenal. Another guy, what's it hurt to put him there in New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony as well. Uh, and then one other guy, two other guys actually, both SEC quarterbacks. One won the trophy last year. His name's Bryce Young. Right? If you look at Alabama, and, and people are going to look at the numbers and then compare them to last year, and they're going to say, well, look at Bryce's numbers from last year. I mean, he, there's, there's no reason why he should be in the Heisman Trophy consideration this year. I, I agree he shouldn't win it. But I do think that he is deserving of a trip to New York. Here's why. He was by far the best player on the team this year for Alabama. Now, Jameer Gibbs was excellent at running back. Excellent. Absolutely excellent. And Jalen Milrow, when he was in the game alongside Jameer Gibbs, Jameer Gibbs did elevate his play there against both Arkansas and in some ways against Texas A&M. But if you look at what this offense was, I mean, I think his Heisman moment, frankly, probably came against Tennessee. Not Like I said, Bryce should not win it. But being in New York should have been, at the very minimum, the reward for what was an exceptional season. Now, he threw for only 3,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, five interceptions. So the numbers don't necessarily support him being in the mix. But we're also talking about a guy that was way less than 100% all season long and was kind of the get-out-of-jail-free card all year for Alabama. Alabama had a whole host of issues. Receivers couldn't separate on a very consistent basis. Offensive line was occasionally pretty dang leaky in protection. Defense had their fair share of struggles, best evidenced by the performance against Tennessee. And in that game against Tennessee, Bryce carried his team just a week or two removed from that shoulder injury, he literally carried his team 
with 455 passing yards and gave his team a chance. Yeah, they ultimately lost the game 52-49, but if he isn't the starting quarterback, they might get blown out by four touchdowns. That's how important I think Bryce Young was. And even though Alabama had a bunch of issues and a bunch of inconsistencies, he was the mainstay. And I think he really deserved an opportunity to take a trip to New York again because he was exceptional yet again. And then finally, arguably the biggest snub of them all, Hendon Hooker, the quarterback of Tennessee. Probably uh, what makes me most mad about this is – we are such a prisoner of the moment in our society. Like We are so obsessed with what you've done in the last two weeks. Hendon Hooker, he was the front runner at one point, or at least at worst, he was maybe number two behind C.J. Stroud. And then he gets hurt in the second to last game of the regular season. Uh, that was a disappointing night. He played poorly in that game. Defense played really poorly. But you really look at it, man, numbers-wise, in just – 11 games, threw for over 3,100 yards, 27 touchdowns, just two interceptions, and rushed for 430 and five touchdowns on 104 carries. So we're talking about a guy that had over 3,500 yards of offense in 10 and 10 games and three quarters or so, several of which he didn't play and they didn't run it up on anybody. I mean, sure, sure yeah, he got his numbers for sure. But, I mean, if you look at it, man, Hendon Hooker, was the reason why Tennessee made this massive leap this year. And the fact that his performance was not rewarded with the trip to New York is absurd. Absolutely absurd. He got hurt in in heartbreaking fashion, gutting it out for his team. The guy's a phenomenal leader. The guy played beautifully against Alabama. The guy played beautifully against Pitt. The guy made a ton of plays all season long. He did have a forgettable performance, arguably, against Georgia, but who didn't? It was a difficult day that day. Weather, got hit, had a difficult time seeing his receivers get separation. It was tough. It was really, really tough day, but other than that, man, the other 10 games or so, nine games or so, he played exceptionally well. Hendon Hooker, it's a travesty that he's not in New York. He deserves it. The Tennessee program deserves it, and I'm really disappointed that nobody, well, hopefully some, not enough people, though, are raising hell about the fact that he'll be sitting at home this weekend when he should be in New York alongside the other great players in college football. Every college football season, Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence, the confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and the fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear, more driven. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. All right, now that we talked about the Heisman, Let's talk about a couple other awards, shall we? 
some amazing performances scattered throughout the college football world this year that deserve to be acknowledged. Let's start with the defensive side of the football. Why wouldn't we? The Bednarik Award went to Will Anderson. Will Anderson, maybe not quite as good a season as some anticipated coming in. Some people were talking about 25 sacks, and that was going to be a difficult number to achieve, obviously. But if you really watch Alabama's defense in times in which they struggled, and there were several times in which the defense as a whole didn't have their best stuff, he was constantly applying pressure. He was constantly giving opponents fits. And if you look at the offensive game plans several times, a lot of teams were really trying to prioritize minimizing his output because they knew in a moment's notice he could take over the game and ultimately completely destroy what you're trying to accomplish offensively. So a worthy winner of the Bednarik. The Jim Thorpe Award went to Travius Hodges Tomlinson. He did a great job all season long out on the perimeter for TCU. Of course, you see a lot of really good wide receivers in the Big 12, and I thought he held his own. I thought both corners, really for TCU, all season long had excellent, excellent years. And Travis Hodges Tomlinson was certainly one of the very best in college football. It was kind of a weird year for corner, I might add. It, it was not really as much of a slam dunk as some might suggest. I mean, it was a lot of really good pieces, a lot of really good players at corner all season long. So it'll be really interesting, I think, to watch as things move forward. Do more and more players that would normally play corner continue to move to offense? Because I feel like so many guys, we've seen that happen so much, at least the last few years. But either way, Travis Todd Tomlinson had a great, great year. So very deserving of the nation's best defensive back. Let's go to the Davey O'Brien Award, which went to Max Duggan. Didn't have a problem with this whatsoever. Uh, I thought he had a tremendous season. I thought he played beautifully from start to finish. I know he didn't get the first start against Colorado, but had he, maybe the numbers would have been even more eye-popping because we all know how bad Colorado was, especially on the defensive side of the football. But I think uh, this could have gone to anybody. And it really could have. Had it gone to Hendon Hooker or Caleb Williams or or you know Max Duggan or whoever it was, any of the aforementioned quarterbacks would have been deserving of this award. It was a great quarterback year. A great, great quarterback year. So I have no problem whatsoever with Max Duggan taking home the Davey O'Brien. The Doak Walker, the nation's best running back, went to Bijan Robinson. How, how could you choose anybody else? There would be a few others that I would consider, of course. We already talked a little bit about Blake Corum. What a great year he had. Talked about a few others. Another guy that would have probably at least been in the mix for me would have been Mo Ibrahim at Minnesota. I thought he had a tremendous year. Uh, obviously, you look at uh, some of the some of the best players in college football played running back this year. It was a really strong year for running backs, but you really can't overlook what Bijan Robinson accomplished. He is, I think, the best pound for pound running back in college football, and I think you can make a strong argument that he's the best pound for pound player in college football as well. Let's go to the Bolitnikoff, the nation's best wide receiver. It's Jalen Hyatt at Tennessee. He did a really nice job stepping up in the biggest games. So many, so many great performances, such ridiculous numbers. I mean, ridiculous numbers, incredible speed, great ability to separate, especially down the field, constantly was able to find favorable matchups over and over and over again. And the coaching staff did a great job of creating those matchups for him as well. So Jalen Hyatt, the Bolitnikoff Award winner, 
awesome. Just awesome. And that was a uh, really a, a strong list of finalists. And really, I, I wasn't sure who it was going to get go to, but I think they rewarded the guy that had the biggest performances in the biggest moments. And that's the way it should be. And then finally, the Maxwell Award. That goes to Caleb Williams. Now, some have said in the past, well, if you win the Maxwell, you don't win the Heisman. That has changed a little bit of late. Uh, we have seen more and more guys win both. And I think it's appropriate. To me, the best player in college football this year was Caleb Williams. Uh, I think he elevated his team. And if you take him off the Trojans, I kind of think that team would probably hover around 7-5, and 8-4. and four. I really believe that. Instead, they were 11-2. and two. And if he had been at 100%, remember they had 17-3 lead against Utah, if he had been at 100%, would that outcome have looked different? Uh, of course, they lost the game earlier in the year to Utah, but man, he gave them every possible chance to potentially win it as well. So Caleb Williams, deserving of the Maxwell Award, which of course goes to the most outstanding college football player. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, moving on to America's game. I, I love this game so much. Anybody that loves college football, if you don't like Army-Navy or Navy-Army, depending on what side of the rivalry you're on, you don't have a heartbeat, man. It's just the greatest scene in college football. It's just absolutely phenomenal. And it doesn't really matter in some cases. Look, in recent years especially, we've had phenomenally good Army teams. We've had phenomenally good in years past Navy teams. This year, neither team that great. Navy, a disappointing four and seven. Army, a disappointing five and six. But it just doesn't matter. Because when you look at these teams and these games and this pageantry that is the game itself, it's just so much bigger than football. And I remember I'd, we covered the game back in 2014. It was a bucket list activity for me. It should be a bucket list activity for you. If you haven't been, I'm telling you, you need to go. Just as an American, as a patriot, you need to go. Just to experience it and just to appreciate the sacrifice that exists for not just the players on the field, but those students that chose either one of the academies, the cadets and, of course, the, the middies and all these guys. It's just phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal, the spectacle that is Army-Navy. But looking at where this game is at this year in particular – you just have to appreciate it for more than what it is. And I thought when I covered it in 2014, the best example that I got of what this game means is we talked to a fullback. At the time, Army was like two and nine. 
So it was, you know, not a game that was going to be super competitive, or at least we didn't think so going in. Navy was one of the best teams in America. I think they were like a nine-win football team, maybe nine and two, maybe ten and one. I don't, I don't know. They were really good. Anyways, long story short, we sat down and we sat and visited with the fullback for Army that year. And he said, the best part about this game is that while we care very much what the outcome is, the ultimate goal is still the same. And that's to protect the sons and daughters of America. And to me, that like resonated beyond belief. And to think about that concept of as an 18-year-old young man deciding where I was going to go to school, deciding where I was going to play football, knowing that I was going to forego my my you know possibility of playing in the NFL more than likely, at least things have changed recently, but more than likely when you sign up at Army or Navy, the NFL is not a likely destination for you. You just are there to get a phenomenal education. You're there to play football and to compete, to learn from some of the best leaders in America, and then have the opportunity at the end of your college career to go serve the greatest country in the world. And I think that to me is just so selfless. And that's why I think we can all rally behind this game. Now, as far as the game itself this year coming into it, Lavatai is the quarterback for Navy. Ballard is the quarterback for Army. Neither guy is going to attempt a whole lot of passes. Okay, <laughs> When you look at this game, when you think Army-Navy, it's exactly what you think. It's changed a bit. Navy's adapted maybe a little bit more so in some ways than you know, some other teams, but really it's, it's going to be triple option beer football. That's what it is. And it's, it's awesome. It's really, really cool because these two teams, they know each other like the back of their hand, which is exactly why the under in this game has hit 16 consecutive years. And this year at 32 and a half, it'd be the side I'd play yet again. It's seldom that you see these teams allow big plays. It's seldom that you see these teams bust with their run fits, it's seldom that you see these teams air it out in an effort to try to catch someone off guard. They might throw it two or three times, but it's not going to be an every down drop back and try to throw it all over the yard. It's just not going to be that way. Yes, this game could very easily turn on a fumble. This game could very easily turn on, on, any, on any specific mistake. It feels like this game is often more, uh, it's earned, but it's seldom pretty. And I think that's exactly what we should have on Saturday afternoon's edition. As far as the rush game is concerned, Fofana is the leading rusher for Navy. He's got 175 carries for 750 yards and six touchdowns. Tyler, on the other hand, for Army, he's their bruiser. He's the guy that's going to get the ball at the line of scrimmage. He's going to be the guy that gets it in short yards. He's going to be the guy that gets it in a situation in which they're at the goal line. He's got 12 touchdowns. <laughs> what does that tell you? On 120 carries. So one out of every 10 touch, one out of every 10 touches goes to the house. So that's something to be mindful of as well. I referenced the fact that Ballard for Army, the quarterback, he only has 36 attempts this year, averaging a cool three attempts per game. So it's, if they throw it, it's more than likely going to go in the direction of Alston. He's got 16 receptions for 270 yards and a touchdown. And then for Navy, you got Umbarger. He's the guy that they've kind of – kind of. I don't want to say that they, they've thrown it 91 times this year, so way more than what you've seen from Army – but Navy, most of the time, those throwing situations, they come late in the game or they're down. But either way, they're not going to be a team that majors heavily in the game itself. I'll sum it up by saying this. I'm taking Army. 
Uh, I like the way this team has been built. I feel like they play really well in this game. Neither team, like I said, having the season that they had hoped for, the season that they had thought they might have, but still this game, the best when it comes to college football pageantry. And I hope you all tune in CBS 3.30, 3 o'clock or so. Uh, you have to just take it in and enjoy it, man, because it is a celebration of college football in the greatest sense of the word. All right, final thought as we put a bow on the Friday edition of Always College Football. I had a couple players declare for the NFL draft. Few of note, Michael Mayer of Notre Dame should be one of the top prospects, regardless of position in the draft. He's a phenomenally well-rounded tight end. He's done a tremendous job, even with subpar, inadequate quarterback play this year. Uh, no, no, no disrespect to Drew Pine, but quarterback play was a little up and down, and they kind of escaped in the past game a little bit from time to time. But still, Mike Mayer, always that guy that you had to be cognizant of wherever he was lined up. And, man, he's going to be an awesome every down tight end in the NFL. He's declared for the draft. Could be a top 10 pick. We'll see. I, I don't know if I'd go that far, but Mel Kuyper has him as number seven ranked player in the NFL draft. Uh, Kuyper loves him some Notre Dame, so take that with a slight grain of salt. All right, moving on to Jackson Smith and Jigba. We might spend a little bit more time on this one in the days and weeks to come. He got injured early in the season, hurt his hamstring in the Notre Dame game, tried to come back a couple weeks later. It's a hamstring injury, all right? It's a hamstring injury. Uh, I've never heard of a hamstring injury that lasts this long unless it's completely ripped off the bone that requires surgery. It didn't. Uh, difficult time understanding exactly what went down, but he's decided to go to the next level. Uh, we'll see where he ends up, but I think that it's disappointing that we didn't get to enjoy his final season as a college player, especially after the bowl game last year. thought he might be poised for some big moments this season. And then finally, Anthony Richardson of Florida deciding to go to the NFL. I think it's a bad decision, if you want me to be completely honest. I think he's got unbelievable God-given ability, tremendous gifts, great arm talent, I said it early in the season. When you watch the guy play, he looks like a freshman version of Vince Young. Vince Young is a freshman. Go watch him back in the early 2000s. Very, very gifted player. Tremendous athleticism. Made huge plays all the time, but also made some real boneheaded plays. And there were some games in which he just didn't throw the ball well whatsoever. That's exactly who Anthony Richardson was. The problem is Vince Young stuck around until he was a senior. Got drafted third overall after that Rose Bowl performance that we will always remember in the national championship game, Anthony Richardson, it's like he's leaving way too early. He might ultimately end up being a first-round pick, but he'll be drafted based on potential and tools more so than productivity. Talent is there, but talent does not necessarily mean that you're going to be a super elite player. He needs at least one, maybe two redshirt years in the NFL, maybe three redshirt years in the NFL, before he gets an opportunity to potentially lead a franchise. So I think it's a mistake. I think he'd be better off coming back, taking advantage of the NIL opportunities. And I thought NIL might ultimately lead to him coming back because he was going to be well compensated at Florida. Man, does he need another year? This is a guy that could be a top six, top five, top four draft pick overall in next year's draft if he would have decided to wait. Instead, he's coming out probably still going to be drafted there, maybe in the high 20s, maybe in the early 30s. But ultimately, man, I think he's leaving a lot of money on the table. So I'm disappointed that he's going out. But, hey, he's got the tools, and it seems like he made that decision before the season even started. That'll do it for us here at Always College Football. Please like, rate, and subscribe. We really appreciate you being with us. 
And we look forward to interacting with you on Monday because Monday and Tuesday of next week, we'll sum up the Army-Navy game. We'll talk about the Heisman Trophy. We'll also talk about what's wrong with the Heisman Trophy and how we can adjust the voter process to make sure that it's better, I guess, better situated to reward guys that have been excellent all season long as opposed to guys that have been excellent just in the latter half of the season. I also want to talk a lot about what's going on with the portal. Hopefully some of the guys make decisions here in the next couple of days, and we got to get to the coaching carousel. There have been coordinators that have been named. We haven't had an opportunity to get to it yet. We're not the destination for news. We're the destination for reaction. So check back with us on Monday. We'll give you the latest on everything that we know as far as the coaching carousel and break down some of the fits and some of the hires that have gone down. And like I said, here in a couple of days, we might know some of the destinations, some of the top players currently in the portal. So you don't want to miss it. We're here with you every day. That's what always college football is here for, to celebrate the sport that you love and the sport that we love. Hit us up on social media at always CFB. Hit us up in our email at always college football at gmail.com for all of us here at always college football and jack foster and greg uh, and mark kubiak i'm greg mcelroy i hope you have a wonderful weekend and remember it's always college football hey guys it's greg mcelroy thanks for watching always college football make sure you like rate and subscribe to espn's youtube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts